0: Welcome to episode 83 of McChesney Unchained, coming to you from DNVR, the uh, the sports bar down here and the studio is just absolutely incredible. you got to get down here and support all the local teams, especially your Denver Broncos and the Colorado Buffaloes, when they kick off on November 6th, my birthday. Happy birthday, Matt. Uh, but yeah, this is episode 83, and it's going to kick a lot of ass as we roll from DNVR uh, studio and sports bar down here off of Colfax. And we have a lot to talk about here uh, as we get into this. Um, Look, people could go negative, and they they are. I mean, there's no doubt about that. There's some big-time negativity going on out there in the world uh, when you talk about the Denver Broncos. And we are going to talk about them at length and some of the problems, uh, the turning point. Uh, which was unbelievable last week. Hats off to Adam and Allie for all their hard work. Uh, we had a ton of retweets at uh, at uh, DNVR Unchained, which is the show's Twitter page, and we also had a ton of retweets at Six Zero Academy. We had over 150 likes, so a lot of people watching the the turning point, and it was it was very informative last week. And unfortunately, we've got to talk about a lot of the same issues this week as well with protection and. Uh, and what went wrong, and also how it was corrected, because at the end of the game, things turned around. So we'll talk about your Denver Broncos as we get closer there. And then uh, it's it's my honor to bring on uh, a mentor of mine, a guy who's taught me the game here when it comes to sports talk radio, uh, and, and a great friend of uh, the voice and the color commentator of your Denver Broncos, and uh, one of the masters out there, uh, Mr. Rick Lewis, will be joining us uh, on McChesney unchanged here today to talk about the Denver Broncos and you know wrap up Tampa Bay and talk about Thursday night against the Jets, a, a battle of two zero oh, and three powerhouses. So uh, let's get this going. So <clears throat> we step into uh, the National Football League Week Three and we roll with some of the uh, some of the games as we kick this off. So. Number one, Raiders at New England, all right? The division team against uh, the Patriots, who were going to play in a couple of weeks as the Denver Broncos travel to New England after the Jets. Um, You know, I I didn't expect the Raiders to go out and do anything crazy in this game. They were coming off a huge win on Monday night. They were bound to drop one eventually, and this this is a game New England needed to win, and they did. Uh, the, The Patriots are... Really, really good, in my opinion. I think they've got some holes on defense, but Bill Belichick will patch those, in my opinion. And offensively, the fact that they've acclimated to Cam Newton the way they have and they've built their offense around this guy and they are so run-centric and heavy play action, it's awesome to see. And Josh McDaniels has done a great job with Cam and – I think he's going to be your quarterback in New England for uh, many years to come. So, the Patriots get a huge win. They improve to 2-1. and one. The Raiders drop one, and they go to 2-1. and one. Uh, Both those teams are going to be playoff teams, in my opinion. So, uh, keep your eye on the Pats this weekend because, uh, you know, I'd like to think that Denver can go in there and be competitive, but if I'm the Patriots, I'm just going to run the ball down Denver's throat the whole thing, whole game and see if they can cover uh, those those tight ends down the middle of the field in the play-action uh in the play action game so we'll see. <clears throat> Number two, the Rams go to Buffalo. This is a crazy game. Tons of swings. Uh at one point Buffalo was up, then the Rams were up, then Buffalo was up. Uh Josh Allen went for four touchdowns again. That kid is a straight baller. Makes me wonder why I I thought Allen was a lot like Elway when he was coming out. Big, strong arm, crazy athletic, kind of a gunslinger. And, you know, I I would have loved to see Josh Allen in a Bronco uniform. No offense to Bradley Chubb, but, you know, maybe re-sign Shaq Barrett and Josh, draft Josh Allen, and we can wish all day long, but that didn't happen, obviously. And Allen has really found a home in Buffalo, and he looked good again Sunday. Uh, the Bills are, are a team that I think can get after you defensively. They create a lot of turnovers. And he is really their motor, man. He's really got them rolling. And and John McDermott has that team kicking some ass. So, uh the Rams, you know, Goff was okay, not great. You know, that East Coast swing from the West Coast is tough all the time. Aaron Donald, especially in the fourth quarter, was a man-child. I mean, he was absolutely destroying people. He, uh... He made Frank Winters, who I think is one hell of an offensive guard, uh, look really, really silly on that sack where he was throwing Josh Allen around, and Allen got up complaining about, hey, this guy just manhandled me. That's a penalty. Now that's that's what he does. Uh, so, 99, 99 is a special man, and I think the Rams, that whole NFC West, that's a damn good division. So... Uh-huh. The Rams uh, didn't get the win, but they damn sure uh, they, they played their ass off, and it was good to see that was one hell of a football game. So we'll see what Buffalo does moving forward, but interest, I'm very interested to see if they can handle the Patriots this year and find a way to uh, to get a home playoff game, uh, maybe in front of those Buffalo fans as the, uh, the year progresses. All right, Dallas at Seattle. This game was nuts. Uh, DJ Metcalf, you need to finish uh after you catch the ball, that's some that's that's a rookie mistake. And to be honest with you, it it's I don't know how people aren't on the sidelines slapping him. I mean that's it's inexcusable in my opinion. Um but that's neither here nor there. Um two young gunslinging quarterbacks. Russell Wilson has shown me that there is really no limit on how good somebody can be. Like Mahomes is unbelievable, but Russ Wilson is just He's on another level man this this guy is extremely extremely good at throwing the deep ball. He just drops it right in the bread basket. You couldn't hand it to the guys any any easier or better, and on top of that, he's a great leader. He's very uh elusive in the pocket. he's got great feet. He can fire it and put it and just tattoo you and he can also just walk up and give it to you nice and gently and To be completely honest with you it I feel like Russell Wilson is the the prototype for the future of the quarterback position and the present to be completely honest with you. I mean, Seattle needs to figure out their defense. they got some holes. they got to figure out how they're going to generate a pass rush. If they lose this year because the defense can't figure out a way to hold somebody under 35 points and they lose 35 to 30, that's going to be that. That's gonna be heartbreaking for Russ and Seattle because they're damn good offensively. So, DJ Metcalf finish it out, but the rest of that team offensively is special. Uh, they got beat up on the offensive line a little bit on Sunday, but everybody is in that situation these days. Um, Dallas is, is... I'm telling you, man, Dallas could be 0-3. I mean, they could easily be 0-3. I mean, Atlanta gifted them that football game, but at the same time, I think they could be 3-0 too. So... They gotta figure that out as well. Uh it it's pretty cool to see Alden Smith come back and, and turn into the player that he's turned into. Um that, that guy's been through hell and back a lot of self inflicted uh a lot of self inflicted pain and uh, you know, not being able to, to stop smoking dope and look, I'm just glad the guy figured it out and he's back on the field and he seems like a really good pickup for Dallas and Maybe he can help out Randy Gregory, who's another guy who can't stop smoking dope. All right, so moving on. Bears in Atlanta. And I just want to touch on this one quickly uh, because the Broncos play the Falcons down the road after the bye. And I've heard a lot of Bronco fans over the last couple of days like, hey, we could probably get a win at Atlanta. Look, man, I, the the Falcons are another team that could easily be 3-0 and if they could figure out how to finish a football game. They were up on the Bears, can't finish. You know, Seattle beat them up in the opener, but the last two weeks they went to Dallas and were up the whole game, can't finish. So, I, look, Matt Ryan is... Is still a top ten quarterback in my opinion. He can rope it. They still haven't gotten over blowing the Super Bowl lead, and that's it's just too bad. So the Falcons are a really talented football team offensively and a very lazy football team defensively. They don't play as hard as you think they would under Dan Quinn. That team played super hard for him early in his tenure, and now it's like they've heard enough. They don't want to hear the guy's voice anymore. So we'll see what happens with Atlanta uh, and if the Broncos can really compete with them because they're pretty damn good on the offensive side of the ball. The Bears, on the other hand, uh, they they benched know Everybody saw that coming. Uh, Everybody but him, he thought it was a surprise. Uh, So obviously that guy's not watching tape. Uh, but Nick Foles steps in and drops three court, three touchdowns, just drops dimes out there, taking hits, doing what he does. The problem with Nick Foles is he looks like Joe Montana, you know, three out of the five days of the week or three, four out of the seven days of the week. And then the other three days of the week, he looks like Ryan Leaf. And that's not good. That's too much of a drop off. So, you know, it's if we could just get some damn consistency from Foles, I, I think he could be a you know, Hall of Fame-type quarterback. I mean, I saw the guy win the, the MVP of the Super Bowl, for God's sakes, uh, with a really good football team. So I, I think the Bears have a good defense. they got a pretty sturdy O-line. If he can step in there and help them win, then good good for Nick Foles. But eventually somebody's going to have to uh, – Jacksonville tried to to take him to the prom, but it just didn't work out. So, you know, hopefully the, the Bears end up, you know, making him the guy. But it, it seems like every time Nick Foles is the guy – Something happens to put him back in the role of a backup, and it it, it might just be better for him to be the backup because when all the pressure's on him to be the guy, he case Keenum's. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Bears and and Falcons, that was a hell of a football game. All right, and then lastly, uh, well, before we get into Kansas City and Baltimore, the Bengals and the Eagles tied. I'm trying not to curse very much on McChesney on Chain moving forward, but... I am so fucking over ties, I don't know what to do with myself. I mean, it's disgusting. And if I'm watching that game, like, I feel bad for Allie. Because it, it, it's like you invested three and a half hours in Philadelphia or three and a half hours in the Bungles, and then they tie. So, yeah, that sucks. I feel so bad. But at the same time, just I'd rather lose. So let's just try and go win. I don't care. Give him the ball for a field goal. At least we went for it and tried. We're 0-2. Both teams are 0-2. So what difference does it make? All right, Kansas City and Baltimore Monday Night Football. Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson going out and saying that Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City is his kryptonite, that's not what you want to hear after the game. So um Lamar, I know you and, and Patty Mahomes are boys, but you're not on the court. All right. We we don't need you you know, pulling a Magic and Isaiah and making out with each other at half court before the game. You and Lamar out there. Oh, I love you, dog. I love you too, dog. Nah, man. Let's get some killer instinct here, but... You know, they're everybody's kryptonite, Lamar, not just yours. I mean, they they do this to damn near everyone. And the first half last night, I know they only they held them to seven. They made some adjustments at halftime, but I also think that Kansas City was up and they, you know, they didn't want to make mistakes that were going to put them in a position for Baltimore to have explosive, you know, plays that put them back in the football game, i.e. the huge kick return. That that kid can fly, by the way. Um Kansas City's going to be a tough out. And I was talking to Adam about this before we started the show, but it's, it's almost like the same feeling that I had when I was with the jets and the dolphins with the Patriots in that division, when they were, you know, we, one of the years was the undefeated season and they were in the super bowl every other year. It seemed like, and uh, you, you just knew that you would have to play perfect in order to get a W. That's the way I feel about Kansas city right now. And, I think they're just they're just at the tip of the iceberg. Um, they were exceptional last night. Defensively they are flying around and making a lot of plays. Uh, it's good to see Tedrick Thompson, the ex-buff uh, who was with the Seahawks and and left there. He's flying around Kansas City now making plays. It's good to see him uh, find a home there with Andy Reid and and, and that, that that team. But they just have a way of bringing these guys into their system and they just they buy in and and it's exactly what Denver used to be. It's like Denver used to be this. They used to be the place where guys would come in and play above their their talent level. And, you know, they'd be around a bunch of other great players and everybody would elevate each other. And, you know, average players will become superstars because when they leave, they go other places, they just evaporate into nothingness. So Kansas City's special. Baltimore, I don't think everybody needs to read into this like they're, they're gonna, their season's going to be blown. They... They're probably going to win the north Pittsburgh's damn good, but we'll see what happens when those two teams square off but they're Pittsburgh and Baltimore are both playoff teams Baltimore's going to be a hard out in the in the playoffs but again lamar jackson fifty three percent last night he was very erratic uh it, he was I thought he was seeing ghosts to a point you know Kansas City was kind of throwing a lot of different stuff at him pre snap and it it was Instead of him just being the athlete in the pocket and taking off when he didn't like something, he was overthinking everything last night. And after the first 15 plays, after the script was done, and they were just calling plays on the fly, and Lamar was, was you know, forced to make in-game adjustments at the line of scrimmage and change protections and change the play, things of that nature, it went downhill in a hurry. So... Kansas City is by far the best team in in football right now. The Rams, I like what they're doing, even though they lost. I like what Buffalo's doing. Uh, But everybody is chasing. They're all chasing the Chiefs. You know, Seattle's a damn good team. The Patriots are very, very, very – I think they're just lying in the weeds right now. And Cam Newton and that team and how physical they are, they're the kind of team that could beat Kansas City because you're – You're putting them in position where, you know, if you don't turn the ball over and you hold the ball for time of possession, that's how you're going to beat the Chiefs is keeping Mahomes off the field. So – We'll see how that goes, but it, it's pretty much just a wrap-up here of, of the uh, the National Football League Week 3. Uh, it's it's Look, football is back, and I'm excited about it. I wish that they would let fans in everywhere, uh, 6,000 here and 10,000 there, and then no fans in, in other places. It's getting a little ridiculous, but we'll see how all that goes. Um, <clears throat> it's my honor and pleasure to bring on uh, my brother and one of my best friends and a mentor here in the radio game. Uh, You can hear him every morning on 103.5 The Fox. And he's also the voice of your Denver Broncos, color commentator, uh, Mr. Rick Lewis, joins us here on McChesney Unchained, episode 83 from DNVR Studio and Bar down here off of Colfax. Rick, thanks for joining the show, brother. How are you?
1: And it's good to hear your voice, Matt. It's good to see you. I I wish we could do this in person because uh, I I love those Matt McChesney bear hugs. Yeah, man. almost cracked my ribs. (laughs) <laughs> whenever you give me a hug man but I miss you
0: yeah the, the harder I squeeze the more I love you so uh, I wish we were doing this in person as well my friend but I guess we're just gonna have to have to roll with the the uh, modern technology as it is so <clears throat> excuse me Ricky I uh, you've been the color the color analyst now for the Broncos uh with with coach Logan for for how long now is this your fourth season
1: yeah believe it or not this is uh season four for me yeah. um yeah, it's hard to believe. 2017 uh, was the first year. Uh, that was after the year they went nine and seven. So, so they win the Super Bowl. They go nine and seven the next year, and uh, I've been I've been doing it ever since. And as you know, it's been been a pretty rocky road uh, for this franchise uh, the last three plus years. Yeah, you're telling me. So, look, there's
0: a difference between losing and then what's happening now. Uh, and look, I don't want to linger on negativity for too long, but it is a very negative time, unfortunately, right now uh, for the Denver Broncos. Number one, how weird is it to be in that literal heartbeat of the, the state of uh, Colorado when it's full? How weird is it to be inside Sports Authority or, excuse, excuse me, in Power Field now with no fans? And
1: like with 6,000 people the other day, you could hear a pin drop. How weird is that, Rick? I got to tell you, man, the, the first game we did uh, against Tennessee when we opened the season with no fans was, was really strange. Uh, and, you know, they, they, they pumped in the, the simulated crowd noise in the stadium. So when you've got your headphones on and you're calling the game, uh, you kind of forget a little bit that nobody's actually uh, in the stands. But the strangest thing, this is one of the weirdest things I've ever done, Matt, and, and you and I have called many games together, was the, the road game. When the Broncos played in Pittsburgh, we called the game from Empower Field in the press box. What? It, yeah, for real. Wow. We were, in, we were in the press box. We had like one guy that was working at the stadium that let us in, and then it was just us. It was like six of us in our crew We were the only six people in the entire stadium. Wow. And it was so strange, man. Yeah, because the NFL, uh, they put uh, an all-22 monitor feed uh, into our our box, into our booth. So that's why we did it that way. And so each one of us had an all-22 feed. And then we also had the feed from the uh, the TV network, whoever was calling the game that day, so we could see that, which is more of a close-up feed that follows the ball, and then the all-22 feed. But I got to tell you, man, the all-22 feed—it's such a uh, such a high aerial view of the of the the play—we couldn't tell, uh, we couldn't see any numbers. Uh, so, we, we when you look at the all-22 uh, from that. Angle, you know, you're kind of guessing who is who. And the toughest job there, man, was uh, Jim Zayas, who's our spotter. And he's been Dave Logan's spotter forever. He had a really tough time spotting numbers off the All-22. So we just – you know what we did, man? We just relied on all of our broadcasting experience. And we've got a great crew that works – that's been doing this forever. And as you know, Dave Logan, the voice of the Broncos for 31 years, and I just relied on all of my 30 plus years of broadcasting experience just to make the broadcast sound smooth and professional. And, and I I think we pulled it off. I had a lot of people compliment us afterwards and uh, people in and out of the building said, man, you, you couldn't even tell you were, you weren't even in the same state (laughs) where the game was being played. It was very, very weird. Well, there's no way you could tell because
0: uh, like I told you, we were texting before the Pittsburgh game, but I, uh, I try to like sync up the TV at home with the DVR to match you and coach. So I had no idea you guys were sitting in, in, in power down the street. So, so let me, let me go off of that. Then there, then Ricky, Um, do you think moving forward, the NFL will be less apt to do the in-person stuff and they'll go more towards technology or in my opinion, I think it's the latter. I think people are starving for the contact again and for the, you know, the handshakes and the hugs and the face-to-face, you know, you know what it's like now being four years in when you go to a stadium and you see one of your boys from another city and it's, oh, hey, that's the way, that's what football is. And that's what broadcasting is to a point as well. It's a, it's a fraternity. So what what do you
1: think about that? Yeah, you know, that's a really good point. I, I think the uh, what's happened during the pandemic uh, is a game changer. It's probably changed our lives permanently in, in so many ways regarding football. You know, it, it was a real challenge to call the game like that, Matt. And uh, we were able to pull it off because we we, we have a lot of experience, you know, in, in broadcasting. But I would much rather be uh, uh, traveling with the team, staying at the hotel the night before, calling the game from the visiting stadium. It, it's just a much better experience. And I really miss it for me, you know, part of the, uh, part of the fun and, and the adventure was, was being with the team and, you know, because you played in the league,
0: That's there's it. a
1: camaraderie that goes with that, man. And even though, you know, we're not playing the game, it, 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 there's something cool about going into another town as the visiting team, you know, and you're all hanging together as a group. Uh, we're on the same buses going into the stadium, you know, you're, you're pulling into a, uh, Oakland Alameda Stadium and Raiders fans are giving you the finger and the in the split <laughs> throat gesture right you know and, and it's to me I just thought that was the coolest thing man I really liked it I, I don't think that this will be the norm moving forward uh, but you know uh, in in the year of the zombie apocalypse uh, as Dave Logan has called it man you just got to do whatever you, you you can do to do your thing so I, I don't think that'll be normal but I got to tell you, man, a lot of these sports have really pulled it off. Hockey did it uh, really, really well, where nobody uh, uh, was was there calling those games uh, throughout the Stanley Cup. Uh, Baseball, you know, our Rockies crew did the same thing. They called the games from the studio. Wow. You know, so it's just how it is this year. Well, if anything, it really you know forces everybody to
0: really get all the, the bells and whistles tightened up and, and, and do a great job. So, brother, you guys are killing it. Uh, there, there's no doubt about that. I love the broadcast. Uh, the master, Rick Lewis, joins us here on episode 83 of McChesney Unchained. I've uh, done DNBR.com. Go check it out. Make sure you go down to the bar uh, off of Colfax DNBR bar down there and uh, check out Broncos Jets on Thursday night. Uh, Ricky will be calling the game, obviously. So let's get straight into that. Uh, Drew Locke is out. Uh, You know, Driscoll came in for uh, three quarters and another start and was bad, to say the least. Uh, Not only was he not very good throwing the football, but he could not pick up the blitzes or change the protections to save his life. Whereas you put Brett Rippon in, and he did it by his sixth play he changed the protection and re-identified the the blitzer 31 winfield and they picked up a third down and now he gets the start talk about lock at the end give me your thoughts on ripping and you know the 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 state of the current start on thursday and then let's go full circle to is drew lock the guy and has he done enough
1: well um when lock got hurt in Pittsburgh and, and Driscoll came in. I thought Driscoll played pretty well off the bench and, and, um, you know, maybe just because there's not a lot of pressure when you're the backup, you know, and you come in during the game, nobody's expecting you to do well. Uh, you didn't get any, any reps with, uh, with the ones, you know, uh, in practice that week. So you just go in and just try to try to hold down the fort, but in the next game, um, this last one last week, uh, that's where Driscoll really, really struggled, as you mentioned, and and I think maybe it's just because he 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 was the guy, he was the man then, man, and he's had pressure on him now. You know, he was expected to uh, to play up to a certain level, and I thought going into the game, Matt, that if if he could play at the same level he did against Pittsburgh, that they would have a, a legitimate shot of beating Tampa Bay at home. He was, he was a disaster. Uh, he, it looked like that was the first game he's ever played in the National Football League, and he's been around the league for five years. So, um, and, and Tampa Bay was, was coming after him just like Pittsburgh did. He was taking a lot of hits. He, he wasn't getting rid of the ball. He was indecisive, hanging out of the ball way too long. He, he, he looked like he completely lost his confidence. And so they bring, uh, they bring the kid Rippin in at the end. And once again, let's keep in mind, now rippin has got no pressure on him. Nice. Nobody's expecting Rippin to do anything out there, right? Uh, he, he's just a, a guy off the bench that's going to play the last quarter or whenever they pull Driscoll out and just try to, you know, do the best he can. So with no pressure, Rippin actually did pretty darn well, better than I was expecting, completed eight out of nine. Uh, the one incomplete pass was an interception. Um, so uh, he, he, he kind of surprised a lot of people. Now, how will he look Thursday against the Jets? Well, now he's going to have pressure. This kid's going to have pressure on him. You know, he's not going to have hardly any practice this week because it's a short week. Uh, they'll be flying to, uh, to New York on Wednesday. And you know how that works, man. On a, on a Thursday night game, you guys are still healing up from Sunday. You know he'll get a lot of uh, he'll get a lot of meetings in and all that. But as far as actually getting a practice in, I think maybe a walkthrough is the most you can expect. And so we'll see how he does Thursday night. I, I'm I'm hoping for the best. You know the Jets team is a disaster. Holy crap, man! Looking at going through the game prep, man. Your former team, the Jets, Matt. They, uh, they're a team that is – they almost look like they want to lose Thursday night because they want to get rid of their head coach. And, and the, um, you know, insiders in the NFL say that the, the ownership, the, the Jets owners are, are talking to agents uh, and already trying to see who their next coach could be. And they're saying if the Jets lose Thursday, Gase gets fired. Have you so, ever in your life seen somebody
0: more depressed about – having to, like, talk to the media. Adam Gase looks like the most depressed human being on the face of the earth. Bro, you are the head coach of a National Football League team. Like, well, just smile one time or so. anything, bro. <laughs> what is wrong with
1: that cat? I don't know what's wrong with him. You know, I never got a chance to get to know him or actually even uh. meet him when he was here. But he seems like he, he he's a bit of a strange dude and, And and the players aren't relating to him. That's for sure. Not at all. And and when you're losing like that, you know, you know, I I, I think some of these coaches have a tendency to look like they're lost, you know, when you look at them uh, on the sideline and and you know how that look is, man. It's it's not good, man. Winning is everything. It's bad, man. It's real bad. So, I don't
0: know if I've ever seen a worse professional football team. And they're not even – they've got some injuries, but they're not just p- pummeled like the Broncos are. They're just – Sam Darnold is just nosedive on progression. They spent all this money on Le'Veon Bell and and uh C.J. Mosley, and <laughs> neither one of them have even played. Like, it's just – it, it's they went straight back to their old uniforms, and it's like the old Jets just poked their head out, like, "Hey, we're back!
1: Nineteen eighties uniforms are back, so are we. We suck again." So, uh, you know what, man? When I when, I was looking at I, looking at some uh, some film uh, of Darnold wearing number fourteen. I I thought of Vinny Testaverdi. Oh God, way yeah. better. Yeah. <laughs> Vinny T. <laughs> yeah, I thought of Vinny T. But. Yeah, that's a really bad team, and they've got their share of injuries as well. They're, they're almost as beat up as the Broncos, and and, and I, I'll, I really think that uh, they're just ready to pack it in for the season. I hope so for the Broncos' sake, because, man, if the Broncos go in there Thursday and lose to that team, I mean, Broncos country's head's going to explode. All right, so then let's flip the script.
0: I don't mean to put any pressure on you. I know you're not going to give me the, yeah, to fire him. But but you got to give me something. If they're saying they're going to fire Gase and he's 0-3, and I don't think Fangio's doing much to relate to his guys either. I think that there's a huge disconnect between the oldest, one of the oldest head coaches and the youngest roster in football for some reason. There's a disconnect there. If they drop this game on Thursday and they look inept, I, I mean, we're literally looking at, at New England, we're not winning that game. Home against Miami, you hope, maybe, but they look kind of good against Jacksonville, even though Jacksonville's bad. And then you have Kansas City bye, and then the, the second half of the season is brutal. So are they going to hold on to Vic for too long? I mean, again, I hope they win,
1: but is the script flipped if they lose? You know what? I don't feel that uh, at this point. Uh, the one thing about this team is Vic keeps them competitive. Uh, when you look at last year, uh, the way they started the year and the way they finished the year, Matt, uh, you got to give Vic Fangio a lot of credit for yeah. for keeping his team competitive. They were in almost every game. Uh, they lost four close games last year, uh, and this year. When you look at all the injuries on this team, they're down to their number three quarterback now, you know, um, and, and, and maybe you could put some blame on them for not having a suitable backup because I don't, I'm not sure Jeff Driscoll uh, is a suitable backup. I, I was wondering why they didn't bring in like an eight or nine or ten year veteran, you know. We'll keep Brandon uh, Allen. Brandon Allen. Um Yeah. They're, they're, they're down to their number three guy at quarterback in their fourth game. uh, They've lost their number one wide receiver, their number one pass rusher, their number one cornerback, their number one B running back, their number one right tackle opts out before the season even starts. Elijah Wilkinson gets hurt. Now they're down to their number three right tackle. It's been a, it's been an unbelievable year with injuries. So I think that will give Vic uh, some cover uh, with the fans and certainly with the organization. And and you know what? I don't think it's – I think it's way too soon to be thinking that with him. Uh, this guy's been around the league a long time. He's had a lot of success as a coordinator. And, and I think that the guys play hard for him. I really do. Uh, we'll okay. see how the rest of the year goes, Matt. You know, if they finish, you know, two and fourteen or three and thirteen, then you know that we could be talking a different story by the end of the year.
0: Yeah. So, Rick, what I'm thinking is, if Vic's going to be the guy and they're going to keep him around, and that's cool. I don't, I don't want instability at the head coaching position. So, if you keep him there and stabilize it, good. But at what point do you foresee them getting a little bit more creative in the offensive scheme rather than just, you know, play action bootleg, the same vanilla stuff we see so much? Whereas you turned the TV on last night and, it, and it, it looks like, you know, it looks like the future of football. And, and they have a young quarterback in Drew Locke and Rippon and these other kids. At what point is Denver going to mature into the, the future rather than linger in the past here offensively?
1: Man, and that's a great question. And, and everybody that's a NFL fan can see that that Patrick Bohn, the Chiefs, have set the bar really high Uh, that's you know every time I watch him I think man we got to play guys twice a year and Patrick Mahomes is a a generational talent I mean this is a guy that if he stays healthy is going to break all the quarterback record that and so the Broncos have to try to compete with that Drew Locke has played what he played five games at the end of last year and a game and a quarter this year he's got a long ways to go uh, you've got to get some more experience. He's got to get more reps. He's got to stay healthy. He's played two seasons. He's been hurt now two seasons in a row. Um, I don't think we, we we really know what we have in Drew Locke yet. I, I do think, to me, he looks like he's the future of this team, the future quarterback of this team. But we got to see more of him. And he has to continue to uh, develop, and make progress. they got to build the right team around him. I, I was really Excited about what they did in the offseason with Hamler and Judy uh, and some of the guys they brought in. Look at Noah Fant. Noah Fant's going to end up being one of the best tight ends in the game. Uh, they surrounded him with weapons. Um, he just has to get more more experience. Will the Broncos ever look like the Chiefs? Man, it would be great if they if they did, but I think, I, I think that's a pretty high bar at this point. I think at this point, you just want to get your team – to be competitive every week, and they're still in, they're they're rebuilding. Let's not forget this is a rebuilding team here. Nobody expected the Broncos to win the Super Bowl this year. We expected them to be competitive. We expected them to be competitive to make a, a wild card spot. We didn't think they were going to win the AFC West. So that being said, if they could be that this year, and I know we're down to you know we're starting zero and three, and it's going to be a tough road, but. If they could have gone nine at seven, or if they go nine at seven, they make it to the playoff. Then they've got something they can really build on with this team. They're still putting this team together. And if they find out Drew Locke is the guy, um, you know, they, they got as good a shot as anybody. You know, Mahomes, if he stays healthy, that's going to be – it's going to be a bitch beating them Problem. twice a year. Yeah. There's no doubt.
0: The voice of the Denver Broncos, the master Rick Lewis, joining us here on episode 83 of McChesney Unchained on the DNVR.com. You can hear Ricky, uh, Rick Lewis, every morning, uh, Monday through Friday, 6 to 9, on 1-3-5, the Fox, and then right after that on 850 KOA with Coach Dave Logan talking about your Denver Broncos from 9 to noon every single day. That's six straight hours every morning of The Truth with Rick Lewis. Uh, we'll, we'll finish on this one. You said the Broncos are rebuilding, and I, I agree with you, and they'll, they'll never admit it, and, Co- and, and Elway will never admit it, but they are. So that said, is it time, because look, you, Casey's not coming back next year. A.J. Bouye is probably not coming back next year. Is it time to move on from Vaughn Miller and ride with Bradley Chubb and see what you can get for Vaughn? You know, it, it's Kareem Jackson, is he going to be back? Do you really re-sign Justin Simmons to big money if you're rebuilding? Is it time to see what you can get for your veterans and compile and stock up draft picks, Herschel Walker style, and really rebuild? Or are we going to continue to do this band-aid on a bullet hole routine every single year and then hope that we can win 10 or 11
1: games and then we'll get you out of here? Yeah, I, I feel like that they, uh, even though they wouldn't say it publicly, they know that this is a rebuild year and, and, the way that they loaded up in the off season with, with young talent and with speed uh, you got to have speed to compete uh, with the chiefs. Uh, and they, they did that. They started to do that anyway. And, and it's going to be a, a, a process to do that Von Miller. That's a great question. Uh, you know, Von had a down year last year, he had eight sacks, which is a down year for him. Yeah. He's going to miss the entire season this year. I would not be surprised if uh, they see what they could get for Von Miller in the offseason uh, or ask him to take a pay cut if they do bring him back or if they want to bring him back. I, I think that they, they probably, depending on what happens with Locke, you know, if, they can, if they can get Locke back healthy here in a couple weeks and, and he looks good down the stretch, then they fully commit to, hey, let's build this team about around Drew Locke I, I do see them uh, getting younger. Uh, the offense right now, you know, honestly, the offense is, is one of the youngest in the league right now. It, it is the youngest. Is it, is it the youngest? Yeah. yeah. For example, it's the youngest. Yeah, so um, I think you may see the same thing happen on defense where they, they, they try to retool the defense, rebuild the defense, uh, if they feel like Locke is the guy. I believe they already got the weapons around him. Melvin Gordon, obviously, not a long-term solution at running back. The um, worst re- but the, signing ever. The worst. The oh, worst. Was, what I, that was terrible. Why would you?
0: Why would you spend sixteen million dollars on Melvin Gordon? I, I think it when you have Philip Lindsay. I just I, I hated the signing and not going after offensive linemen and re, and signing Melvin Gordon. It, it's like you reap what you sow. No wonder your
1: quarterbacks hurt. Speaking of offensive linemen, and I've been wanting to talk to you about this because you are the offensive line guru around here and and one of the offensive line gurus in the league. Um, It's really hard to judge offensive linemen. Right. Uh, And, and, you know, there's there's a real skill to doing that. And and you're the guy. I want to ask you about this offensive line, if you don't mind, if you have time. Because this will help me as well, you know, in in my game prep in, in the broadcast. So Garrett Bowles, from what I can see, Garrett Bowles has gotten better yes uh, he I believe he's the highest graded offensive lineman on this team and and one of the highest graded in the league this year. if you believe in pro football focus, you tell me i uh,
0: I like what I've seen from GB up to this point, and he's he's struggled on you know some movement stuff, but everybody struggles to a point. I mean, you're blocking the best people in the world on the other side of the ball. Those those big athletes are hard to deal with. Garrett's not holding like he used to. He's letting go. He's he. I think he has a better understanding of the pocket presence of the quarterback, whether it's three step, five step, you know, seven step, bootleg, sprint out. You see him understanding that a little bit better so he's not grabbing he's more striking and using his athleticism which is good because I know Cooper and Munchak have been working their ass off to try and get that done with him what's really concerning to me Rick is Reisner has gotten and I hate to say this but he's gotten worse and he's getting I mean the last two weeks he's really really struggled with Hayward and then Vita Bay and JPP I mean the we, uh, <clears throat> we do, uh, at DNBR, we do this show called The Turning Point, and back-to-back weeks of, of him and Bowles not being able to handle a TE game, and that's on the guard. He's got to snap that guy off, and just the quarterback getting murked on both of them, and Locke got hurt on that, on that TE game against Pittsburgh. So I just, my thing with the Broncos O-line is Garrett's gotten better, and that's awesome. And that's what you wanted to see out of him at this point. And you hope it happened earlier, but it did happen. Do you resign him moving forward? I think you almost have to because it would just be another guy that you developed for another team. I mean, think about all the young free agents and draft picks that they haven't kept around that are now starting and excelling around the NFL. McGovern, Ben Garland is killing it for the 49ers. Billy Turner solidified the Green Bay Packers. I mean, and, and they, the list goes on and it's, At some point, they've got to keep their draft picks around and roll with them. And I just – I really hope that Garrett can continue this upward trend. I would like nothing more than to eat crow on that because he has gotten better. But Reisner's got to pick it up. Cushenberry is a rookie, and you can tell. I don't understand why they gave Glasgow $50 million when they wouldn't – and then not re-sign their own guys. That makes no sense to me. And then – Jawan James might be the worst signing in the history of the Denver Broncos, to be completely honest with you. And you can't bring that guy back. He doesn't want to play football. And it sucks that Elijah got hurt. Dotson's just another guy. You know who they should give a shot to, Rick? Quinn Bailey. Quinn Bailey is an undrafted free agent at Arizona State. He's been on the practice squad two years. And I'm telling you, when they give Quinn Bailey an opportunity to play tackle, he's going to wow people. He is an unbelievably good athlete. He's fast twitch. He's long, and I think eventually he's going to get an opportunity to get on the field this year. So I, I think that they've got to figure out a way to keep the guys they develop around. Can you imagine if they had, you know, Bowles and Reisner, and then it was either Garland or McGovern, and then Billy Turner was the right guard and or the right tackle and. They just, or, and the other guy was the right guard. They would have a, a, a homegrown offensive line that they just keep revamping. And I know it's it's like wishing in one hand and crapping
1: in the other one. One of them's going to fill up and it's usually this one first. But do you think, uh, do you think part of the problem maybe Reisner's having is the fact that he's playing next to a rookie center now? Yes. Who's still learning the game? That big time, 100%. But
0: okay. Oh, all right. Dawson should be the voice then, shouldn't he? I mean, he's been through enough. He should be able to walk up and identify fronts and be able to change the protections and things of that nature. Look, Reisner's struggling with the physical part of the game, not the mental. Reisner's struggling with, with Hayward and Vita Vade just whipping his ass the last two weeks. That that's a physical thing. That's not that's not so much of the the mental part that Lloyd is struggling with. Lloyd is is his head spinning right now, and that's really my thing is. I don't think people – and I'm not trying to sit here and say Conor McGovern is, the, is the, the answer to everyone's problems. He's not. He's, he's a center, okay? We're replaceable. But when that center played with your quarterback in college and their friends, and he helped that that quarterback mature all year, and they watched film together, and they built a relationship, and then you don't re-sign him, and you let him leave, and you put a rookie in front of him, and they struggle like this, again, you reap what you sow. You didn't understand that 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 relationship was just as important as the player that McGovern was, and they didn't understand that either. So I I think they have a massive problem with developing
1: talent and keeping it on the roster, on the offensive line, to say the least. You know what, man? I really appreciate your input on the O-line. You know, that's a really hard thing for a lot of uh, people to judge you got to really know what you're looking for. you you got to watch a lot of film. And, and that's interesting what you said about Quinn Bailey. And, and with Wilkinson out, maybe Quinn Bailey gets elevated to the uh, the 53 this week, and maybe he will get a shot. In fact, the fact that you even said that gives me some hope that maybe they've got a right tackle, uh, you know, somewhere in the building that, that is going to be able to play. That's been a problem for them for so many years. And what a disappointment Juwan James has been god terrible just awful and they had billy turner on the roster rick
0: that's the worst part is they had a guy in billy turner who played with Jawan in miami and i remember him saying to me so many times like they don't want to they don't want to sign this guy he doesn't like football they don't want to do it and then they did it and then billy goes to green bay and he's talking to back he was like he's what we were missing he's got attitude he's multi-positional he's solidified he solidified Aaron Rodgers' front side. We can put him at guard or tackle. He can play both. And I'm like, shit, I wish we had that in our building. Oh, wait, we did. Oh, we did. So, yeah. Uh, it is what it is. We'll see if the Broncos can pull it out on Thursday night. Uh, I'll be listening to the call, Rick. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, bro, and, and being a part of uh, McChesney Unchained on the DNBR.com. Uh, the great. The great rick lewis the master joining us here on episode 83. uh remember you can check him out 103.5 the fox six to nine and 850 away with uh, the coach dave logan from nine to noon every single weekday uh rocking the airwaves rick lewis
1: hey bro, brother i just man. want to tell you man i, I love you brother and I, I miss you we go way back man, hey, man. doing doing the truth together on the five game show uh all the high school games you and I called together the times that we would hang out man and I gotta say I am so proud of you what you built uh with six zero strength man I, I I couldn't be I couldn't be more proud of you what you've done and this podcast man what you're doing you know just so you know I'm watching people are paying attention and, and um, you're the shit man you're Thank the real you. deal you Thank are the real you. deal man I, I, I'm I, learned happy best. Best. I learned from the best I had
0: a good teacher The master, Rick Lewis. And that was the voice of your Denver Broncos, Mr. Rick Lewis, uh, the guy that's taught me damn near everything I know in the radio game. Great friend and mentor. You can hear him every day on 103.5 The Fox.
1: Uh, And just about every other
0: station. I mean, he's on 850. He's on until like noon every day. And so 6 a.m. to noon, that's... Six hours a day, it's pretty good. Uh, and then also you can hear him as the color commentator for your Denver Broncos. So uh, he had a lot of, of good things to say and a lot of uh, constructive things to say, we'll say, instead of negative, because there's two ways to look at this. So let's get into your Denver Broncos here, okay? Um, look, man, the negativity is something that social media produces. So it's really, really easy for, you know, some, some dude sitting in mom's basement, his fingers are covered with Cheeto residue and he's been pounding Code Red Mountain Dew all day and he's all amped up. And he's angry that Denver isn't winning every game by 50 points like Madden. And it just, it doesn't work like that. So the injury bug, number I've never in my life seen a team get destroyed by injuries like this. That said, the 49ers have been decimated by injuries as well. And they find a way to win games. They won by 30 the other day on the road. So, there is a lot to do with culture. They're down, they're down their starting quarterback. So, I, look, there's excuses and then there's reasons, all right? The injuries are a reason that the Broncos are struggling. But we can't use it as an excuse to, to make losing okay, it just can't happen. Not, not in Denver, not with the Broncos. So, in order for the Broncos to move forward in a constructive manner here, I, I keep hearing everyone talk about depth issues. And depth issues are real. I mean, the, you can't sit here and say they're not. Uh, especially in the offensive front. They have a – and in the quarterback, at the quarterback position with Brandon Allen not being there to back up, you know, just rotating the backup quarterback constantly. The depth issues are real, all right? The way that you get depth in the National Football League is through the draft and undrafted free agents and development, which something which is something Denver really, really, really struggles with. I mean, they, they are bad, in my opinion, at developing players, and they are even worse at keeping them around after they do develop them. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys go off and have very, very successful careers with other places. Um, but... When you when you look at the the roster right now and how many guys are hurt and how many guys are getting opportunity because there are so many hurt players, that's how you build depth. All these guys are going to get six, 14, 15, 16 games of work and film. The, the key is to not expect them to go out and, and go 10 and 6 and make the playoffs. The key is taking each and every day on the practice field and in the meeting room and not turning it into – you know, you guys suck because you can't win a football game, but rather let's develop these kids and teach them how to play and teach them our system and figure out a way to be constructive with our criticism so we can actually lift everybody up. So our depth issue is gone moving forward into 21 and 22, and some of these young guys become leaders, not just robots that we're trying to – to get to just buy into you know running headfirst into a wall. I want a thinking man. I, I don't want a mindless idiot that just says yes, sir. I want somebody that's going to challenge authority every now and then, and and talk with a question that they that that they can articulate that they can that they can, you know, sit in the meeting room and have an, an open conversation with their coach about how to get better. This assumption that that. All these guys that play for the Broncos, and it's a no-name defense. There's a bunch of dudes out there that weren't here week one, weren't here in training camp. A lot of opportunity. This assumption that they're just going to, like, tank for Trevor Lawrence, that is ridiculous. I don't know any. They're not doing it with the Jets, and they're worse. The the Jets aren't even as hurt as the Broncos. They have their starting quarterback, and, you know, Le'Veon Bell's out again, but shocking. And being an ex-Jet, I know what that culture's like. There is none. And being an ex-Bronco, there's so – I mean, it, it, it pours into you right when you walk in. You can feel the difference. So, it's this development problem and this assumption that we're just going to suck and get Trevor Lawrence and everything's going to change, it doesn't work like that. It just – and it's like naive for people to actually think that it does. So, if we do end up getting a top three pick and we get one of these quarterbacks, great. He's going to have to compete with Drew Locke. Drew Locke's not going anywhere. If we're really going to buy into rebuild, and if they drop Thursday night, even if they don't drop Thursday night, they're not going to beat New England on the road in New England. So we're looking at 1-4, and four, oh and 5 and at that point, if we're really talking about developing talent and the future, number one, do you even bring Drew Locke back when he's healthy? Elijah Wilkinson just went to the IR. You're rotating in Dotson. He's had a lot of problems everywhere he's been. He's 6'10", which means people can get under his pads quick. He has a problem with leverage. I'm not saying the guy can't play. I'm saying that he gets beat like a Cherokee drum a lot. And, you know, it's not going to get any better moving forward. You know, if Rippon gets the start Thursday, I think that would be more conducive to getting the ball out fast. He looked like he knew what he was doing on Sunday um with the small sample size we're going to talk about that in the turning point at length uh, about his ability to change the protection and pick it up and convert a third down after watching uh Driscoll do it wrong for 2 weeks so obviously it's being taught in the meeting room and one guy's getting it and one guy's not so that's going to be a huge part of the turning point as we talk about it um the Denver Broncos are not as depleted as people lead you on to believe they're just not the The question that I have here is, do you really go Major League Baseball style and just everybody that's high-priced before the trade deadline gets shipped for picks so you can have an abundance to either trade or draft when it comes down to draft time? Or... Are you going to restructure Justin? Are you gonna get Justin Simmons under contract for a long time? Are you gonna keep Kareem Jackson around? Is Von Miller does he have a two to three year window here that's a future with the Broncos where he's a ten to twelve sack guy? Does Bradley Chubb really need another alpha on the other side to even be on the field because that guy has totally disappeared? I mean, elite pass rushers don't disappear. Shane Ray was the same way. He was really, really good when the other guys were balling on the other side. But when he had to do it by himself, he was non-existent and he doesn't have a job. You know, the Shaq Barrett thing, Shaq balled on Sunday. And there's another example of not keeping your guys in-house that you developed. They'd rather go out and draft somebody and just be like, oh, well, the rookie's better than the vet. They did that with Shaq Barrett. They did it with McGovern. And Cush, Lloyd Cushenberry is struggling. I mean, it, it's struggle bus one on one, man. I personally think that they they need to play Austin Slotman immediately, just so they the quarterback stops getting hit in the face on vanilla looks. So it might not be a bad thing for the rookie to learn. But again, when you have no depth, when you get rid of all the guys, you develop. When you don't keep them around, so they can mentor the rookie and help him develop into a guard and center, not just a one-way player. When you get rid of all those guys in front of him, you have no choice. He's got to play. So it's the situation the Broncos find themselves in is not good. I mean, there's no way you can you can just you know paint it in in some fashion that's going to make everybody happy. It's not happening. I will say this. You go get a win on Thursday night, and hopefully they do. Hopefully they can go into the Meadowlands and get a win. The last time they went to MetLife, they got hammered. I mean, they got crushed. And not only that, but they weren't playing hard. It was one of the games where Vaughn was loafing around the field the whole day, and Bradley Roby got, like, trucked at the five-yard line. Some no-name running back for the Jets went, like, 18 carries for 230 yards or something. It was just an embarrassing afternoon, to say the least. This is an East Coast swing on a short week. I'm hoping that the youth in the room, I'm hoping that all these guys getting an opportunity to play with Casey going down and now Wilkinson going down and... You know, if you're dinged up a little bit this week, you're not playing. It's a Thursday night game. I'm really hoping all these young guys on the field, they just don't know that they don't know. They can go out and just fly around and have fun and not worry about going 0-4 and go get a W and just get back to some of the grassroots of the game here. Lastly, before we wrap up episode 83 of McChesney Unchained, coming to you from the studio down here at DNVR off Colfax. This place is absolutely incredible. you got to get down here and support all your Colorado teams. Uh, the Pac-12 ke- uh, kicks off on the uh, 6th of November, my birthday, so happy birthday, Matt. I know all those, all those Colorado Buffalo games will be going on in here. CSU kicks off sometime in November as well, so that's going to be awesome. Get down here and support your Colorado teams, especially your Denver Broncos. So lastly, the Vic Fangio question. Is he the future? No, he's not the future. He's, uh, he's almost 70 years old. That's ridiculous. I will say this. I am a, I've been saying this since last year. I don't think he's the right fit. I think he's an exceptional defensive coordinator. I think he's having a really hard time. uh, Dictating to his offensive and defensive coordinators, what he wants done. I think he's having a really hard time, not being the, the guy that is in charge of just one thing. Now he's in charge of everything and he's really struggling in my opinion. And it, Look with the Broncos roster being as young as it is, offensively and defensively, the youngest roster in the NFL, average age of twenty four and a half, twenty five. I would, I truly believe that they would do a lot better if they could relate to somebody that knows what Twitter is. That you know, they can relate to somebody who knows who Biggie is. I'm just saying. I know it doesn't. It seems like this. That's a stupid thing, but I don't think it is. You look around the NFL, and these young, offensive minded head coaches are. Doing a really good job. I mean, even even dude in in Cincinnati is getting a lot out of Joe Burrow, and nobody thought he could coach last year. So if you want to develop a young gunslinger, maybe his quarterback should be his best friend and in the meeting room, or his his head coach should be his best friend and in the meeting room with him talking about how to develop the player and the offense to move forward, not just like, oh, well, whoever we rotated offensive coordinator this year and quarterback coach, that's going to be the guy that develops you. I'm going to worry about the defense. We can find a defensive coordinator to do that. This is an offensive league. They've got to figure out a way to go offensive-centric and stop with all this defense. I'll go get a good defensive coordinator to be your defensive coordinator. Find me somebody that can actually figure out a way to get creative, maximize all this speed, protect your quarterback, and develop him mentally and physically. It can be done. Is Eric Bianami the guy here in Denver? I sincerely doubt on everything that eb would come to denver especially with some of the other opportunities that will open up around the nfl so i i really doubt he would come here and i don't think that this is a very sexy destination anymore either so you know that is what it is i mean honestly if they can figure out a way to win some ball games and be competitive is that really what we want or are we looking for an elite gunslinger is vic the future are these injuries going to be something we can overcome or is it the reason for the Broncos' demise? And are we building depth or are we just playing young guys? Because there's one of two things here. You're either building depth and developing players every day or it's just a bunch of plate holders and everybody there is, is literally just there until the next guy steps in and they'll just rotate and start over. So at some point you've got to fall back on development and and doing it the right way because that's how you win in the national football league so it is what it is we'll see what happens thursday night with your denver broncos as they travel to MetLife to play the new york jets both teams are 0-3 although i think the broncos 0-3 is a little bit different than the jets 0-3 being an ex-jet i don't i've watched every snap of that team this year and if you think watching the broncos is bad try watching those guys it is oh god it's terrible uh so but Adam Gase has been rumored to be fired on Thursday night if he doesn't win the football game. So there is a lot riding on this. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I, I would think that the Broncos can go on the road and get a W, but... I guess we'll see. That is episode 83 of McChesney Unchained coming to you from DNBR's uh, studio and bar down here off of Colfax. Get your butt down here and make sure that you support all your Colorado teams, especially your Denver Broncos on Thursday night. Come get yourself a beer and and yell at the TV with some other people that will be drinking beer and yelling at the TV. So I'm Matt McChesney. Thank you to Adam for for all of his hard work producing the show. This is episode 83. Thank you to Rick Lewis for everything he does. We'll be back next Tuesday for episode 84 as we wrap up the Jets and talk about the hated New England Patriots. Thanks for listening, folks.